When you raise the children in the ways of the Lord, as we said, they won't depart from it. Um, this little gal in the front row, how old are you? Nine, nine years old, engaged in worship, lifting her hands as she's praising God, singing the song. There's no limit of age. You don't have to become a certain age to recognize you want to lift your hands and worship the Lord. You see, maybe age is what makes us crusty and reserved. Maybe age is what is the inhibitor. Because kids, that's why Jesus said, let the children come on to me. Let the children come on to me. Why? Because he saw the sincerity of their heart. They weren't making a grocery list while they were worshiping. They weren't thinking about everything they had to do that week while they were just worshiping. They were actually thinking of the song, that is who you are, Waymaker. And they are imagining in their head what that looks like. They're making a picture in their head as they're worshiping. But us... We get everything mixed up in there and we try to insert our worship into our, our, our imaginations. God is good. So we love the children of Logos and we try our very best through the teachers who volunteer to teach them to give them the word of God. But parents at home, make it your agenda to give them the word of God too. Let it be an overflow so that they could grow up in the ways of the Lord. Genesis 16 is where we are this morning. Last week we talked about blind Bartimaeus who begged by the side of the road and we saw a very different picture of what it looks like to be healed. We saw a very different picture of what his blindness represented to us. And... God saw him there begging. Jesus saw him and Jesus stopped. Today we're going to see how God once again sees someone in their place. And through the eyes of the Lord, he makes a way. Genesis chapter 16 the key verse will be verse 13. And it says this, And so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. I like the amplified translation of that scripture verse because it says this. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are God who sees. For she said, have I not even here in the wilderness remained alive after seeing him who sees me with understanding and compassion? Sometimes the amplified just has that extra little oomph to just give it a, a better punch. After I have seen you, I have remained alive here who sees me 
with understanding and compassion. God sees you this morning with understanding. He understands you. He understands your situation. He understands everything about you, every intricate detail, and he has compassion for you. So if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about Hagar this morning. Hagar. A woman whose name meant forsaken. A woman whose name meant flight. And somehow in this text, she embodies the very meaning of her name. That is why it's so important when you're going to name your children, you ask God, what is your name that you have chosen for this child? Because you are declaring over that child their days. Let's read from verses 17 to 13. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sari, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sari. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. I have to pause for one second. Can I ask a huge favor of one of the ushers to get me a bottle of water? I'm sorry. Hagar, Hagar sees God in this experience and she gives him a name. She says, you are the God who understands my circumstances. You are the God who is with me this day. Oh, thank you. And will protect me. I am so sorry. All of a sudden, I became parched while I was reading. I was trying my best to make all the saliva that I could. Oh my goodness, wow. Yeah, my saliva wasn't coming. <laughs> oh boy. Oh God, thank you for the water. That's good. So Hagar says that you are the God who sees me. You are the God who knows my circumstances. You are the God who is with me this day and you protect me and so she named him El Roy E, the God who sees. A new name for God. The God who sees, El Roy E. She could not take comfort in the fact that even though she was going through these problems, that 
Could it be there was a God? But now, having encountered him, she says, you are the God who sees. We have to make note here that God did not change her circumstances. He saw where she was, but he did not change her circumstances. Instead, we're going to see what he did cause her to realize. But we see another woman in the Word of God, and it reminded me as I was preparing of when we did our Elijah series, and the woman of Zarephath, she was preparing her last meal in in Ezekiel 17, verses 14 and 15, and she's preparing her last meal for her and her son, and after that, she plans that they will just die. But God did not change the circumstance. He did not reverse the famine that was taking place in the land at that time just so that she and her son would not die. Her circumstance where she was did not change, but he sent someone. He sent her an Elijah. And through Elijah the prophet came the provision. Not that Elijah came with provision. Through Elijah came the provision. The provision being God that neither the flour nor the oil would run dry. It would not be spent. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord, that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so that is exactly what happened. Elijah, as we would recall, had the audacity to ask her, before you prepare something for you and your son, would you make me a cake? First of all, where did you come from? And find out where you're going, right? He had the audacity to ask, and yet she willfully did. She prepared for Elijah, and as a result of preparing this meal for Elijah, verse 15 says, she and he and her household ate for many days. Was the circumstance of the famine changed? No, there was still a famine in the land. She was still in a place where she would have to daily trust God. Just because Hagar saw God, the circumstance of her life didn't necessarily change, but God made himself real to her that she can look to him. God sees our circumstances and when we think he's not interested in our life, when we think just because our prayers haven't been answered, therefore God doesn't hear me any anymore. Just because he seemingly isn't coming in when we want the answer to come does not mean that he does not see. It may not change the place we're in. It may not even change the situation that we are in. But he makes known to us that he is our very present help. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. My God is awesome. 
He can move the mountains, keeps me in the valley, hides me from the rain. My God is awesome. He sees me when I'm broken, gives me strength when I am weak. My God is awesome. He wants to display to you who he is, not necessarily change your circumstances, not necessarily make everything just hunky-dory, but he wants to display to you who he is through these patches of rough seasons, through these times where your faith has to be stretched to trust him a little further, to believe him a little more. Hagar was in this place of trouble. She was in a place where Sarah or Sarai was dealing harshly with her. What had happened? You see, God had promised Abraham and Sarah, when their names were Abram and Sarai, that he would be a father to many nations. Chapter 12 of Genesis says, and I will make you, verse 2, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham had that promise from God. But there was a bit of a problem. Just a bit of a problem. Through you, Abraham, the nations. Through you will be the nations. But there's a problem because for him, for there to be a through you, there has to be a receptacle that could house that. And that would have been Sarah, but she was barren. She was old. God bless her. But you know what? Even in our seasoned life, God could bring something. Even in our seasoned life, God could bring something. But she wanted to help God along. So if we look at verses 4 through 6, it said, she, what, what she did was, she said to Abraham, just a minute before we go to verse 4 to 6, she says to Abraham, why don't you go with my, my maidservant Hagar? You know, this way, you know, Abraham. I mean, after all, God hadn't brought the promise, so why not help God along? Have you done it lately? Have you done it lately where you've helped God along? Oh, you know, because the, the world says God helps those who helps themselves. What a mess happened because of that. Hagar was in a place of trouble. And it says here, verse 4, And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power to do to her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. I'm sorry, but did, was it not Sarah's idea? 
Did she forget from one moment to the next? Because she said, may the wrong done to me be on you. Well, you know the other saying of the world is, you made your bed, now lie in it. <laughs> it's not scriptural, but... Sarah, you're the one who told Abram to take Hagar. And now you're upset because Hagar seems to be acting with contempt towards you. Contempt as in she's being poor with her in her character. She's doing a poor job of being a mistress. A maidservant, I mean, excuse me. She's being a poor, doing a poor job of being that maidservant. And Sarah is not pleased with the quality of work that she's doing. So it's translating as she's in contempt of me. We're not given any more details than that. And so we have to trust in what does that word mean? But Sarah, you are the one who made this whole situation the way that it is. And so what does she turn around and do? And she starts to mistreat, mistreat Hagar, like Hagar is the problem. And so what does Hagar do? Well, she acts in revelation to what her name says. Her name means forsaken. Her name means flight. So she takes flight to the wilderness. She leaves. The whole reason why Hagar fled to the wilderness was because of the treatment that Sarai was giving her. It gives me to wonder this morning, is there anyone here that has fled? from the Lord. Anyone listening online, you fled from the Lord because of the way you've been treated. You know one th sad story that I hear over and over again are the people who leave churches because of the way they've been treated. That is the saddest story, but it's what we're reading. It's what we're reading. And so Hagar fled. I'm done with that. I'm done with being mistreated. All I did was what was asked of me. I went with him because it was asked of me to do. And now I'm the one being mistreated. Perhaps those are the thoughts that Hagar is having. That longing in Sarah's soul, that longing in Sarah's heart to have a child, to fulfill the promises of God over her life. Rather than trusting in the hand of God, rather than trusting in the arm of God to fulfill that which he had spoken, she decided to intervene. We don't want to miss what's happening in our story by focusing only on one woman, we want to look at the two as a whole. Sarai decided to help God out. Because according to the Jewish custom at that time, if a woman was barren, she could ask her husband to sleep with the, the maidservant. 
And if this maidservant had a child, according to the Jewish custom, then that child would rightfully belong to the woman. So in Sarah's case, in asking Hagar to, uh, in asking Abraham to take Hagar and to go into Hagar, by Hagar becoming pregnant, that child, according to the Jewish custom, rightfully belonged to Sarai. And so Sarai didn't really see anything wrong in what she was doing. She was helping God along. Be careful en route to your promise. Be careful en route to your Isaac that you don't conceive in Ishmael. That's the one that you've created. This was not how God had planned to accomplish his will for this couple. This was not God's plan of how he had planned to accomplish that Abraham would be the father of many nations. But yet God in his sovereignty, when we walk in our ways, he will what? Work all things together for the good. Many times we have made mistakes but God has worked out those mistakes for our good. You may help God along in, in, in trying to conceive your promise, but it's not your promise, it's what God has planned that would be your promise. Wait for the plan of God. Wait for the plan of God. Some of the pain you're going through is because of what you have tried to accomplish on God's behalf. Some of the pain you're going through is because you attempted to bring forth your own Isaac instead of waiting upon the promise of God. So Sarai was the one who wanted Abraham to sleep with Hagar, but when Hagar starts to treat her with contempt, she decides, that's it, you're in for it. The enemy will watch you as you try to maneuver God's will and God's purposes and God's plans. And then what he will do is he will insert his little ways. And you are wondering why things are going the way that they are going. Because the enemy got in there. Why? Because the eyes of your flesh that wanted it before its time tried to make it happen. And so the enemy gets in. Hagar defects to the wilderness. She flees. She acts just as her name has proclaimed her to be, forsaken, flight. May we stop to consider, before you blame another person for what they have done to you, before you blame someone else for an interrupted promise in your life, Look to see what you have done. Stop to consider if maybe what has come upon you is of your own doing. Just stop and consider that. Friday night in our married couples, they, they, the gal Naomi and Ivo led us through several points, and each time she brought forth a point, she had the couples hold up a mirror. So that when you look in the mirror, you see who? 
yourself. Because our default is to blame somebody else all the time. But when we look at the truth of the matter and we look in the mirror, we see that we ourselves are to blame many a times. So we see Hagar in the wilderness and we feel sorry for her. Poor Hagar. Poor Hagar. To be dealt with so bad. But then we have to look through this situation through the eyes of the Lord. Did he make it perfect for Hagar there in the wilderness? No, he did not. Did he come down? Did he build a fire? Hagar, while you're here, allow me to send someone to build this fire to keep you warm. Hagar, while you're in the wilderness, allow me to send some ravens to feed you. No, he did not do that. But he saw her plight and he understood what she was going through and his promise was that he would be with her. Why? Because he is the living God. He is the very real God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth and there is no place that you can wander to that he cannot see you. There is no place that you can take flight to in efforts to flee your problems that are here, in efforts to say, I'm going to start brand new. I'm going to move over there. I'm going to start a brand new course in my life. I'm going to leave all of that there. God's eye is not blinded because you have left that to go over here. He sees you wherever you are this morning. When you're in a place that is uninhabited, when you're in a place that has been uncharted area, when you're in a place where the soil just seems too hard to dig through, he sees you. When you're in a place where it just seems like the going is harder, you thought you left your problems behind and you went to the wilderness where the sun, the heat of the sun was hot, where the, where the well would be further away that you would have to journey to go find your water. You w- left what was hard to find yourself not in that much of an easier place. But God sees you this morning. He sees you where you are. No matter what is your circumstance, he sees your situation. And he wants you to know this morning, I am El Roe. I am the God who sees. I am the God who sees. Whether you're Sarai or Hagar today, God sees you. Sarai was, in, in, was barren. She was incapable of, of conceiving a child. But God was going to do within her the impossible. That when people would look upon her, they would say, it has to be God. But Sarah got her hands in the mix. Keep your hands off of God's doing. Perhaps you've tried everything Perhaps you've tried everything you can to remedy your problem. Perhaps you're looking for a job and you've done everything you could to find that right job. You got the right education, the right training, and you knock on door after door. 
door after door after door and the doors are not opening. I remember the time when my husband was in, in uh, sales. It was um, 100% commission. You don't make a sale, you don't get a paycheck. And so some days that was really difficult because we had a little one. She was two years old. And so some days when I saw we would need diapers or it was time for groceries, I prayed, oh God, oh God, oh God, bring the sales. Lord, bring the sales, bring the sales, bring the sales. Lord, 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 and he could come home. How'd you do today? Oh, I didn't get on it. And he says, and he would go door to door knocking, 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 block after block, block, block. And it would become very discouraging for me. And I was constantly praying, Lord, do something. Lord, do something. On Sundays after church, we would drive through the industrial area in the city that we were in, and we would write down the name of the company and the address, and then that week we would send out resumes with hopes that we would find a job. Many resumes later, many prayers later, years later, nothing was opening up. My daughter's now two years old and I'm concerned, Lord, how will we afford? And one night as a friend came over and he was uh, speaking with my husband and, and praying with my husband about some challenges that my husband had had and, and some pains of unforgiveness from his past. And as this friend was leading him and talking with him and sharing with him the importance of letting go of the past and forgiving those that have hurt you, He began to, to make breakthrough in my husband's understanding. And my husband there in, in our living room prayed and, and forgave those that had hurt him in the past. Forgave a woman that he had been with. And forgave his father. And in this choice of forgiveness, in the midst of all of this, I remember precisely the time was nine o'clock and a knock came to the door and I went to answer the door because who knocks on your door at nine o'clock? And it was our neighbor and he says, by the way, they're hiring where I work. If Dino's looking for a job, I'll bring in his application. Within a week of releasing the past, within a week of saying goodbye to my hurts, I've, I'm choosing to forgive, the breakthrough came. While we were knocking on the doors, while we were putting out resumes, the answer wasn't coming because there was something in his heart that needed to be released before God. But when we did the dusting and the cleaning, when we got into the bad and the ugly, and we said goodbye to that. The breakthrough came. The release came. I remember it was one o'clock in the morning. Now you know how dark it is outside at one o'clock in the morning when we had finally finished this time of prayer. And when my husband opened his eyes, he says, wow. It's really bright in here, isn't it? Because the, the scales of unforgiveness came off his perception. And he released. 
Don't hold on to stuff that's over there. Don't bring it into your next place because if you hold on to stuff that's over there, because I bet you while Hagar walked on flight to that wilderness, she said, that's Sarah. I didn't like her from get-go. Never thought anything good of her. In fact, I wish I spit in her water a few times. Who is she to send me with her husband? What does she think I'm going to be? A baby house for her? I bet all the way to that wilderness, she complained about Sarai, and what did she do? She found herself not in a better place. Not in a better place. The wilderness, if you've ever been there, is pretty hot. Pretty dry. Perhaps you've tried everything you could. Perhaps you've tried everything you could. But maybe today, maybe today it's for you to release someone you are holding that onto for what they've done. Maybe today you're to release yourself from all that you're harboring. What does your wilderness look like this morning? What does it look like? Because your wilderness and my wilderness are different. And each of us has either gone through, is going through, or will go through a wilderness. But how your perspective is during that season will speak of how you will come through. Why? Because God said in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Perceiving it is something that you do with your eyes. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in what? The wilderness and rivers in what? The desert. God will make a way if you would perceive it. He will make a way in your wilderness this morning. You may have fled there to escape, but God will make a way. He is bringing a new direction in your life. You may have fled there, but he's going to call you to realize where have you come from? Where have you come from? Verse 8, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. Where have you come from? You see, without us going to the place of my husband realizing why unforgiveness was holding him captive, he could not go to where God was intending him to go because he was not acknowledging where he had come from. A place of hurt, a place of brokenness, and he needed to release that into God's hands. Where have you come from this morning? 
Where have you come from? What has led you to flee to the wilderness? What has come as a scale over your eyes to cause you to see that it's him, it's her, it's them that are to blame? And you're not seeing that within you lies a key of releasing before God that you can come out of that place into the new place that God has for you, into the new thing that he has for you. Where have you come from? He did not ask this. He did not ask this because he did not know. God knew where she came from. He asked this so that she would get into that introspective place that place where you look inward, that place where you look deep inside the caverns of your heart. Where have you come from? See, Hagar thought she had come from the most terrible place because of the way Sarai had treated her. I haven't even done anything wrong. I just did what I was told to do, and she mistreated me. Where did she come from? Think about it. Abraham had a very close relationship with the Lord. Does not the word of God say that there was none righteous in the land like him? So where there would have been Abraham, or Abram, there would have been worship. Where there would have been Abram, there would have been a demonstration of awe and wonder of God. Because if he lived out that righteousness, then when he was in the home, he was also that righteousness. He was also that demonstration of worship to those that were in his home. Where did she come from? She left the place of worship. She left the place where God dwelt. Because Abraham would have worshipped God. God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits those who call upon his name. And so there in, in Abram's house where he would have made an altar in his heart before God, worshipping him day and night, praying to him day and night, she left that prayer covering. She left that place of worship behind. She left behind the provision that God had made for her. Because while she was there, she was provided for. She had meals. She had a job. She left the place of worship because of his close relationship with God. And she left the place of provision. Where are you going? Where are you going? She had no place else to go except to maybe back to Egypt. What was Egypt? <laughs> what was Egypt? She would have had to pass through the wilderness in order to get to Egypt. Scarcity of water, extreme heats. That wilderness journey to get to, back to Egypt would not have been an easy thing. Hagar, where have you come from? And where are you going? What 
part of you thinks that when you act on your own doing, it will result in better. The Lord asks you this morning, where have you come from and where are you going? Before you leave where you've come from, be sure that it is the hand of God that is leading you out before you go to where you are going. Because if you go without his blessing, there will be the scarcity of the provision. The scarcity, you, you will be under the extreme heat. You think things are difficult for you now. Well, they will be even more difficult for you. It doesn't mean that everything will be hunky-dory, but what it does mean, if you go under the blessing of God, then he will lead and guide you through that season. But if you go under your own doing, you will find difficult days ahead. Do you really want to expose yourself to that kind of wilderness just because you are unhappy with where you are? God is working it all out for her good and for his glory. And so what does he do? He sends an angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you. Now pay attention to the plan. Hagar, you're going to have to return to your mistress. You're going to have to submit to her. You see, you withdrew from those that once cared for you because you thought in your head you can make things better because you perceived. You perceived they were against you. I'm going to go and I'm going to make a better place. I'm retreating from this place of emptiness, this place of pathlessness. I'm going nowhere here. All, I'm, all, all that's happening to me is I'm coming under the harsh treatment of Sarai. Get back on course, Hagar. And this is what the Lord says to you today. Get back on course. Get back on course. Submit. Because I have a blessing. I have a blessing of exponential measure on its way for you. Who are you to submit to? You're to submit to the Spirit of God. God, not my way, not my how, but your way and your how. And in other words, the blessing in submitting to my word and walking in obedience to what I'm speaking to you, when you walk in obedience to my word and you submit to my word, then the blessings will come. God exceeds exactly where you are this morning and he's calling out to you, return to the place of my presence. Return to the place where I was worshipped. You remember the days when you worshipped me? Remember David said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Look to the Lord, for you will sing again. What happened to David? I remember the day when I would lead the procession to the church. 
When David was downcast, when he was depressed within him, what was the saving grace? When he recalled to his mind the times that he would worship, the times that God was first in his life, the time when he would revere the house of the Lord. You see, where are you going? Starts with remember where you came from, child of God. Remember the days you called upon God. Remember the days when you looked to him and you knew he was your only answer and you decided that you were going to pray until he broke through and you weren't going to give up. Remember the days when you trusted in him and throughout the day when it was difficult, you would say, my God is awesome. He brought me through the valley. My God is awesome. He sees me in this place. Remember the days when you sang, child of God. Where have you come from? Don't see all the bad. You see, Wednesday nights we're looking at the refiner's fire and we're recognizing that there are times when God allows us to be in the fire because it allows all the drouse that is within us to rise to the surface so he could skim it off so that we could come forth as what pure gold so there are times in our life where we will go through difficult circumstances. There are times when we will go through the fire. We will go through the fire. But you see, if we are not with our eyes fixed upon the Lord and our eyes set fixed on him, then what will happen? We will find ourselves in the wilderness. We will find ourselves in the heat. We will find ourselves in that thirsty place with no solution. But when we are carefully in the refiner's fire because the Lord is working out his good in us, then we will pass through the fire through the fire. There's a difference of being in it and not knowing where the answer is going to come from. There's a difference of being in it and feeling as though nothing, it will ever get you out. And there's a difference of being in it and knowing that my God will deliver. Why? Because when the three were in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar came and he looked at the edge and he saw that there was something different. How many did we put in that furnace, he asked. How many? Oh, Lord, oh, oh, king, three. Funny, I see that there is a fourth man in the fire and he appears as like the son of God. Where have you come from? Where are you going? Depends on what you are going to release. If you hold on to the past and resentments and bitterness, then where you are going is no better. But if you have taken the past and you say, Lord, I am submitting to you that you will lead me and you will guide me in the way that I should go then I know that God, whatever fire may come, you will lead me through it. Whatever fire may come, you will be that man in the fire with me. Where have you come from? Where are you going? God sees exactly where you are today. 
And he says to you, return to the place of my provision. Return to the place where belief in me brought blessing. Maybe you're watching online today. Maybe you have, you're not even from Logos Church, but you find yourself watching online today because you just don't want to go into another church building where you were going to be hurt again. I want nothing to do with church or its people. And God says to you, return. Return. Submit to me. And I will bring the blessing. But you know what? You have to release the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the pain. See, there was a season in my life where I had left the church. I was at home worshiping instead of in church worshiping because I had a spirit of offense. A spirit of offense. So I wasn't going to go to church. Because how could I go to church? Because my heart was offended. So I stayed away. And then it was six months, and I said to my husband, you know what, we have two young kids, we got to get to church. And he says, well, sure you, surely you don't mean to go back to. And I said, no, no, but we got to get to church. And we went to another church in the city that I was living in, said nothing, to the, to the pastor of the church, why we were there, said nothing, just went as members, came in, sat down in the pew, brought the kids to the nursery, children's ministry, after the service, left. But I tell you this, there wasn't a Sunday that God did not speak to me of letting go. Nine months we were there. And then I said to my husband, I can't go this morning. I'm going to go to uh, Brayside. You go with Alicia. I, you know, it's okay, you go. So he would go with Alicia to church, and I would go to this camp. It's a Pentecostal camp, and I would walk around that camp. June, July, August, and one morning, on the Saturday morning, my husband, I said to my husband, we have to go to church tomorrow together. And he says, okay, where are we going to go? So he began to name the place that he was at. I said, no, Brayside, no. And so he named where we had come from. Surely you don't mean, and I says, yeah, we're to go there. I had to return because I had to walk out that forgiveness. I had to walk out that bitterness. I had to return to the place of pain. Now, I'm not saying that that is necessarily your situation, okay, okay, because if you're in an abusive situation, I'm not asking you to return to abuse, okay? But I had to return so that that spirit of offense would no longer have control of me. Where have you come from? Where are you going? It didn't mean that everything was hunky-dory. Some beautiful 
the unpleasant words were said, but I had to walk out that forgiveness. He has heard your cry this morning. He sees where you are. You know why? Because there is a seed within you. You know what the angel of the Lord said to Hagar? Behold, you're pregnant. I want to let you know this morning that there is a seed of God within you. There's a seed of God within you. You are pregnant with the seed of God. He desires that you walk out his purposes and his plans for your life. He desires that he would have full control because what? You are pregnant and you shall bear a son, Hagar. And you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Remember what I said to you en route to your promise, en route to your Isaac, because we know now, this many years later, that Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. That was their promised child. That was the one God had promised to them. But en route, don't help him out. Ishmael shall be a wild donkey of a man and his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. Be careful of the wild donkey. Don't go ahead of God's promises. He has purposed in you a seed. But it's for his purposes. And it's for his plan. Some of you have been warned by God to stop doing what you're doing and you keep doing it. Some of you have been warned by God not to go to that certain place and you continue to go there. Some of you have been warned by God to cut off associations with certain people that are bringing you down and you continue to have associations with them. Some of you have been warned by God if you don't forgive, then what happened to Cain and Abel? Sin, the Lord said, sin is crouching at your door. Why? Because the enemy wants you to kill. Let go of the unforgiveness. Let go of the things that the Lord is telling you to stop doing. What is your problem this morning? Is it an addiction? An addiction to things on the internet? Is it an addiction to gambling? Is it an addiction to to smoking of various sorts? Is it an addiction to alcohol? What is your problem this morning? God has warned you, stop doing what you're doing because you're provoking the affliction. Some of you have been warned, but yet you continue on. Stop and return. Stop and return. Stop 
and return. Stop doing what you're doing and return. Hagar heard God clearly through the voice of the angel, and she called that place Ber Lahai Royi, meaning God, you are a God, a God, you are a God of seeing. Ber Lahai Royi. He sees everything this morning that you are facing. The eyes of the Lord are upon you today, friend. And he says, return. Stop and return. He hears and he sees. Why? Because he's El Roy E. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Why? Because he's El Roy E. He sees you. He knows your circumstances. He knows the problems you are facing. And he says, just cast them upon me. Just trust me. Leave it with me. Let me take that burden from you. Put my yoke upon you because it is, it is light. Don't carry this burden anymore. I am El Roe. I see the road that you are on. I see the circumstances that you are in. I know of the, the hardships that you are facing. I know of your cries. My ear is inclined to your cry. Trust me. Trust me. I'm El Roe. I have not abandoned you. My word says, I promised Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1 and 5, Hebrews 13. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You can trust in El Roy E this morning. He sees you. And he has not abandoned you. For those who are under attack, trying to stay firm and fixed in your faith, remember there's a righteous judge who sees all things. And he knows what's going on in your life. And he knows the mistreatment that you have gone through. And he knows that yet through that mistreatment you have remained faithful. And he will in his time act. Maybe you're in that place of being faithful, of standing firm in the midst of the fire. And maybe you're in that place where he is skimming the drouse off the top. But guess what, friend? You will come out as pure gold. That's what Peter tells us. You will come out as pure gold. And it needs to be said again, those that are living in sin, Maybe some of you here, maybe a handful, maybe more. Well, we're all sinners. We're all sinners saved by grace. Maybe you have that habitual sin that we need to address. And you're holding God at a distance. And you're not returning and you're not submitting to the Spirit of God. And you're trying to deal with it on your own rather than letting him come. Remove that from you. As you surrender it to him and as he takes it from you. 
He sees where you are, and he won't let you go until you submit to it. Maybe some of you are caught in the grip of that secret sin, the one your wife doesn't know about, the one your husband doesn't know about, that secret sin, and you're caught in the grip of it. You have momentary enjoyment, pleasures for a moment, but guilt that rides you, it haunts you, it preys on you, it chases you down. That's what the secret sin will do. Be warned. God sees it all. He sees it all. There's no short-term pleasure that isn't going to bring a long-term pain. Trust God today. Return, submit, and return. Psalm 121 says this. I lift up my eyes to the hill from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot to be moved. He will keep you. You will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Submit and return. Submit and return. What is God looking for? He is looking for a people this morning who will walk, welcome his watching eye. A people this morning who recognize that he is the God who sees. There is not a thing that you or I can do that he does not see. If you think you have hidden it from someone, know this, you never hid it from God. The Lord sees you this morning. The Lord sees you this morning. My kids, when they were little, and I just close with this little story, um, I would say to them, don't, don't do that. Don't do that because you know mommy's watching you. Don't go in there because mommy, mommy said you can't go in there. Remember, even if I don't see you, God sees you. So one day, they were in the spare bedroom, and there was a bed in that spare bedroom, and they were jumping up and down on the bed, something they weren't allowed to do. And as they were jumping up and down on the, on the spare bed, I was in my bedroom, but what they didn't know was there was a picture in the hallway and the light of the room that they were in made a reflection that I saw perfectly everything that they were doing. <laughs> and so I yelled out, stop jumping on the bed. We're not. Boing, 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 boing. I says, you're jumping on the bed. No, we're not. Boing, 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 boing. So then I said it again, stop jumping on the bed. Otherwise, I'm going to come in and you don't want me to come in. Because it meant a spanking of sorts. Shh, those were the days. Anyways, <laughs> my daughter stopped. My son kept going. 
She didn't leave the room, but I saw through the reflection. I said, Luke, stop jumping on the bed. I'm not. Ding, 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 ding. I said, you're jumping on the bed now. Stop. And then he says, how do you know? And Alicia says, she has eyes behind her head. She didn't know I saw the reflection. We were sitting down watching TV as a family, and he was, I thought, playing in my hair. And I was like enjoying him as he was playing in my hair. You know when somebody plays with your hair? And anyways, then it got to be okay, but enough is enough. I says, Luke, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking for your eyes. <laughs> Would you have childlike faith today to know that God sees everything? He is the all-seeing God. There is nothing that you can do that he is not seen. No sin that you could keep hidden. He is the all-seeing God. No trial or trouble that you will go through that he does not see. He is the all-seeing God. There is no circumstance that you are facing that he is not aware about. That problem at work, he knows exactly about it. That problem in your home, he knows exactly about it. That wayward child, that unbelieving husband, that difficult wife, that nagging wife, he knows it all this morning. He is the all-seeing God. And he says to you, submit to me, return, because I am making a way. Get out of your wilderness this morning. Get out of your wilderness this morning. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Second Chronicles 16, is it 16? The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this. From now on, you will have wars. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He doesn't miss a thing. This morning, the invitation to you is this. Will you return and submit? Will you submit and return? Will you surrender to the eyes of the Lord? The altar this morning, the response of the altar is for this. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God sees and he is here to minister to you. From this day forward, you can return to the arms of God and know that the freedom and deliverance will come. The altar is for those who would have to sacrifice or surrender the habitual sin. The eyes of the Lord sees, and he says it's holding you back. That sin is putting a divide between you and me. Surrender the sin. Submit to me and come. You see, the altar is broad enough that we don't have to guess why you're coming because it's none of our business. We just have to know this 
that when we pray, God sees and knows. And you have to know that when we pray, God sees and knows. And he brings the answer you are waiting for. He saw blind Bartimaeus last week, and he stopped. And he invited blind Bartimaeus to come. This week he sees Hagar. And he stops and he says, Hagar, return, return, return. Return to me. Return to the place of my covering. Return to the place of my provision. If the band would come, I'm just going to make that invitation to you as the band leads us in worship, that you would be in that place this morning. God, what would you have me to do? What am I holding back in my life because of things that I have held on to? Lord, how am I a Hagar this morning? How am I running from a pain to find myself only yet in another wilderness? How would you respond this morning? The altars are open, and we'll pray for you. We have people in the church that are, are prayer warriors, and they will come and they will pray for you. But I encourage you today to consider the words that were said to Hagar of the angel of the Lord. Where have you come from and where are you going? And don't leave without considering those words in your heart. Where have I come from, Lord? And where am I going? Have I come from a place that is right before you? Father God, in the name of Jesus, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, Spirit of the living God, move upon the hearts of your people. Speak to them, almighty God. Because, Lord, to do that new thing, to make the streams in the desert and the rivers in the wilderness, oh, God, we need to cling to you. We need to lay hold of you. Have your way this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the way?